Hello, and welcome back to the ninth episode of the Case Time Podcast, hosted by me, Pooja, and me, Pyle. And today, we'll be going over the case of James Bulger, who I don't think you know who he is. I do not, know. And just before anyone listens to this, this is a very big trigger warning case regarding the death of a child, um, sexual assault. And it's overall very disturbing. So if that's something you're not going to be able to handle, which is totally understandable, you might want to skip out on this episode. And we will understand. It's not a big deal. So James Bulger is actually two years old. And Mm. yeah. And this case took place in Merseyside, England. Well, Kirkby, Merseyside, England, which is basically in Liverpool. That's about 70 miles southwest of Leeds, where I used to live. Well, I am where I live, basically. Mm -hmm. So James Patrick Bulger, who was two years old, was abducted, tortured, and murdered by, get this, two 10-year-old boys. 10-year-old boys? Two, yes, named Robert Thompson and John Venables. And this happened on February 12, 1993. Hmm. Thompson and Venables led Bulger away from the New Strand Shopping Center in Boodle after his mother had taken his eyes, her eyes off him momentarily. His mutilated body was found on a railway line two and a half miles away in Walton, Liverpool, two days after his abduction. And I know you're wondering, how the heck can two 10-year-old boys kill a two-year-old? A lot of people are wondering that. But one of the most infamous things about this case is that there was a cctv photo of i'll be showing pile this i don't know if you can see of them luring him out of the shopping center can you see that yeah i can yeah so yeah so let's get started um that cease give me one moment i'm not on the right not on the right thing. Okay. So, CCTV at the new Strand Shopping Center in Boodle on 12th of February 1993 showed Thompson and Venables casually observing children, apparently selecting a target. The boys were playing hooky from their local primary school, which they did regularly. Throughout the day, Thompson and Venables were seen shoplifting various items, including sweets, batteries, a troll doll, and a can of blue modeling paint. One of the boys later revealed that they were planning to abduct a child, lead him into a busy road alongside the shopping center, and push him into traffic. They said that while they were, like, out shopping? That was their goal, yeah. That was, like, their objective of the day for skipping school. And keep in mind, these kids are 10. Yeah, that's crazy. That same afternoon, James Bulger from Kirkby, who again is two years old, went with his mother, Denise, to the New Strand Shopping Center. While inside the butcher shop in the shopping center around 3.40 p.m., Denise, who had let go of her son's hand to pay for her shopping, realized that her son was missing when she looked back down. Thompson and Venables had approached James Bulger, took him by the hand, and let him out of the shopping center. This was caught on CCTV around 3.42. So that's about two minutes 
you know, between two minutes of her paying, looking mm-hmm. down, he was already outside of the shopping center. Oh my God. And Bernables and Thompson were actually just trying to abduct, abduct children. Earlier in that day, a mother was shopping as well. And then her son went missing and her daughter was like, oh, these boys took him. The woman was able to stop them, them from taking him. And unfortunately, that sealed James Bulger's fate that day. Wow. Thompson and the Nables took Bulger to the Leeds and Liverpool Canal around a quarter mile from the New Strand Shopping Center where they dropped him on his head and he suffered injuries to his face. The boys joked about pushing Bulger into the canal. An eyewitness said that when he saw Bulger at the canal, the boy was crying his eyes out. The boys went on a two and a half mile walk across Liverpool and they were seen about from by around 38 people, but most bystanders did nothing to intervene. Two people challenged Thompson and Venables, but they either claimed that Volker was their brother or that he was lost and that they were taking him to a police station. At one point, the boys took Volker into a pet shop from which they were ejected from. Eventually, the boys arrived in Walton. With Walton Lane Police Station across the road, they hesitated, then led Volker up to a steep bank to a railway line near the former Walton and Anfield Railway Station, close to the cemetery. One of the boys threw the blue paint that they had shoplifted earlier into Bulger's left eye. <sighs> they kicked him, stamped on him, and threw bricks and stones at him. They placed batteries in Bulger's mouth and may have sexually assaulted him with them. Finally, the boys dropped a 22-pound railway fish plate on Bulger's head. He sustained 10 skull fractures as a result of the bar striking his head. Pathologist Alan Williams stated that Bulger suffered so many injuries, 42 in total, that none could actually be identified as the fatal blow. Holy cow. Thompson and Renables laid James Bulger across the railway tracks and weighted his head down with rubble, hoping that a train would hit him and his death would be ruled an accident. After they left the scene, his body was cut in half by a train. Oh my god. Olger's severed body was discovered by a group of children two days later, and a forensic pathologist testified that Bulger did die before he was struck by that train. Hmm. Police suspected that the boys had sexually assaulted Berger as his shoes, socks, trousers, and underpants had been removed. The pathologist report, which was read out in court, found that, and this is disturbing, okay, Bulger's foreskin had been forcibly pulled back. When Thompson and Renables were questioned about the aspect of the attack by detectives and a child psychiatrist, the pair were reluctant to give details. When Renables was let out on parole, his psychiatrist, Susan Bailey, reported that visiting and revisiting the issue with John enables as a child and now as an adolescent he gives no account of any sexual element to the events the police quickly found low resolution video images of Bulker's abduction from the new strand shopping center by two identified boys at the time so there were two days before the body was found and before that they were still looking for them okay the railway embankment upon which his body had been discovered was soon adorned with hundreds of bunches of flowers 
the family of one boy who was detained for questioning but subsequent release had to flee to flee the city due to threats from vigilantes. The breakthrough came when a woman, upon seeing slightly enhanced images of the two boys on CCTV, recognized the Nables and remembered seeing him play hooky with Thompson in the Boodle area that day. Because, you know, when you're out and about in England, you know when people should be in school. So, because they're in uniform. Mm. And you're like, why are you, why are you not at school today? You know, like you can definitely tell when someone's playing hooky. Yeah. She contacted the police. And from that, the boys were arrested. So going into the rest, the fact that the suspects were so young came as a shock to investigating officers who were headed by Detective Superintendent Albert Kirby of Merseyside Police. Early press reports and police statements had referred to Bulger being seen with two youths suggesting the killers were teenagers. The ages of the boys were difficult to ascertain, obviously, from the low-res CCTV. Forensic tests confirm that both boys had the same blue paint on their clothing as found on Bulger's body. Both had blood on their shoes. The blood on Thompson's shoe was matched to Bulger's for DNA test. Pattern of bruising on Bulger's right cheek matched the features of the upper part of a shoe worn by Thompson. A paint mark in the toe cap of one of the navel shoes indicated he must have used significant force when he kicked Bulger. Thompson is said to have asked police whether Bulger had been taken to the hospital to, quote, get him alive again. The boys were each charged with the murder of James Bulger eight days later on February 20th, 1993, and appeared at the South Sefton Youth Court on the 22nd of February, where they were remanded, reprimanded to be in custody and await trial. In the aftermath of their arrest and throughout the media accounts of their trial, the boys were referred to as Child A and Child B because obviously they were underage at the time. In awaiting trial, they were held in secure units where they would eventually eventually be sentenced to be detained at Her Majesty's pleasure. Up to during the trial, because obviously this was a very decisive, not even decisive, angering crime, right? Like what two-year-old should be dying in such like a, horrific way a mom just is paying for her food that she's getting Mm -hmm. from the butcher shop she wouldn't even dream that this would happen no you know like you don't even that's not even in the realm of possibility yeah you know so during the trial up to 500 protesters gathered at the magistrate's court in the metropolitan borough of sefton during the boys initial court appearances the parents of the accused were actually moved to a different part of the country and were given new identities following death threats from vigilantes. The full trial opened at the Sessions House in Preston on the 1st of November of that same year, and it was conducted as an adult trial with the accused in the dock away from their parents and the judge and court officials in the regalia. So they were charging these children as adults. And was it there, like the people being tried like their parents who had to get relocated yes mm-hmm. and given okay. new names because mm-hmm. they were like how the hell could you raise people like right. this? Kids you know the boys denied the charges of murders abduction and attempted abduction you know earlier because they tried to abduct another child and 
Each boy during the trial were sitting in the view of the court on raised chairs so they could see out the dock designed for adults. So they literally needed like essentially booster seats to be seen over. That's how young they are, right? Like to be seen over the court. And were accompanied, accompanied by two social workers and guards. Although they were separated from their parents, they were within touching distance when their families attended the trial. News stories reported the demeanor of the defendants. These aspects were later criticized by the European Court of Human Rights, which ruled in 1999 that they had not received a fair trial by being tried in public in an adult court. At the trial, the lead prosecution counsel, Richard Henriquez, successfully rebuted the principle of Dolly and Capex, which is presumes that young children cannot be held legally responsible for their actions due to the heinous nature of the crime. So he refuted that idea. Oh, that like it makes no sense that they shouldn't be held accountable because yeah. like they like, did just it because they're ten. Like this is doesn't such excuse a them from. Yeah, exactly. Because some some people were saying it's a bit unethical to you know put these children on trial like mm-hmm. this as adults, but I mean it's when you're dealing with a minor who's done a crime like this, it's like, do you blame the parents or do you blame the child? You know, like it's yeah. really hard. But it is interesting that. that like two separate families raise children like this like you would think that they'd be like siblings or like Mm -hmm. i don't know that's odd that like two separate families had children it is like that yeah thompson and venables were considered by the court to be capable of quote mischievous direction meaning an ability to act with criminal intent as they were mature enough to understand that what they were doing was something seriously wrong a child psychiatrist, I mean, who interviewed Thompson before the trial was asked in court whether he would know the difference between right and wrong, that it was wrong to take a young child away from his mother and that it was wrong to cause injury to a child. Vizard replied, quote, if the issue was on the balance of probabilities, I think I can answer with certainty. Vizard also said that Thompson was suffering from PTSD after the attack on Boulder, which is, I mean, hmm. Yeah. You have PTSD? Like, come on. Yeah. Susan Bailey, the home office, which is essentially like England's mm, Supreme, not Supreme Court, but it's like their overarching body, you know? Mm-hmm. Forensic psychiatrist who interviewed Venable said un- unequivocally that he knew the difference between right and wrong. Thompson and Venables did not speak during the trial, and the case against them was based to a large extent of the more than 20 hours of tape-recorded police interviews with the boys, which were played back in court. Thompson Thompson was considered to have taken the leading role in the abduction process, though it was Venables who had apparently initiated the idea of taking Bulger to the railway line. Venables later described how Bulger seemed to like him holding his hand and allowing him to pick him up on the meandering journey to the scene of his murder. Lawrence Lee, who was a solicitor of Venables during the trial, later said that Thompson was one of the most frightening children he had ever seen and compared him to the Pied Piper. Hmm. After his appearances in court, Venables would strip off his clothes saying, I can smell James like a baby smell. Prosecution admitted a number of exhibits during the trial, including a box of 27 bricks, a bloodstained stone, bulgers, underpants, and the rusty iron bar described as a railway fish plate. The pathologist spent 33 minutes outlining the injuries sustained by Bulger, 
many of those to his legs had been inflicted after he was stripped from the waist down. Brain damage was extensive and included a hemorrhage. The boys, now aged 11, were found guilty of Bulger's murder at the Preston Court on the 25th of November, 24th of November of the same year, 1993, becoming the youngest convicted murderers of the 20th century. The judge, Mr. Justice Moreland, told Thompson and Venables that they had committed a crime of, quote, unparalleled evil and barbarity. In my judgment, your conduct was both cunning and very wicked, end quote. Moreland sentenced them to be detained at Her Majesty's pleasure with a recommendation that they should be kept in custody for, quote, very, very many years to come, recommending a minimum term of eight years. At the close of the trial, the judge lifted reporting restrictions and allowed the names of the killers to finally be released, saying, quote, I did this because the public interest overrode the interest of the defendants. There was a need for an informed public debate of crimes committed by young children, end quote. In 2010, David O'Man later criticized the decision and outlined the difficulties created by it in his review of the probation services handling of the case. So it was really controversial at the time because, I mean, you don't normally, of course, see young kids like this committing such heinous crimes. So the courts at the time didn't really even know like what to do like it was kind of like the first time for them you know mm -hmm. like they were like okay do we try them as an adult do we keep them private for the rest of the life if we expose their identity does it prevent them from being to be rehabilitated is it even possible to rehabilitate a child like this mm -hmm. you know so after the trial and after the judge had recommended a minimum sentence of eight years, Lord Taylor of Gosford and Lord Chief Justice recommended that the two boys should serve a minimum of 10 years, which would have made them eligible for release in February of 2003 at the age of 20. The editors of The Sun, which is, you know, not the best magazine, but or newspaper, handed a petition bearing nearly 280,000 signatures to Michael Howard, the Home Secretary at the time, in a bid to increase the time spent by both boys in custody. The campaign was successful, and Howard announced in July 1994 that the boys would be kept in custody for a minimum of for a minimum of 15 years, meaning that they would not be considered for release until February 2008, which by that time they would be at least 25 years old. Lord Donaldson criticized Howard's intervention, describing the increased tariff of, quote, institutionalized vengeance by a politician playing to the gallery, end quote. The increased minimum term was overturned in 1997 by the House of Lords that ruled it unlawful for the Home Secretary to decide on minimum sentences for young offenders. The High Court of Justice and the European Court of Human Rights have since ruled that although the, par the Parliament may have set a minimum and maximum terms for individual categories of crime. It's the responsibility of the trial judge with the benefit of all the evidence and argument from both you know, prosecution and defense counsel to determine what the minimum term in individual cases should be. Tony Blair at the time, then shadow home secretary of England gave a speech in Wellingborough during which she said, quote, we hear of crimes so horrific that they provoke anger and disbelief in equal proportions. 
These are the ugly manifestations of a society that is becoming unworthy of that name, end quote. The Prime Minister John Major at the time said that society needs to condemn a little more and then understand a little less because he thought that you shouldn't try to understand what these kids were going through more so and show that they shouldn't be, you know, let off the hook lighter just because of their age due to the severity of the crime. Mm -hmm. The trial judge, Mr. Justice Moreland, stated that exposure to violent videos might have encouraged the actions of Thompson and Benables, but this was disputed by David Macklin, the Minister of State at, at the Home Office at the time, who said that the police had found no evidence linking the case with, quote, video nasties. Some British tabloid newspapers claim that the attack on Bulger was inspired by the film Child's Play 3 and campaigned for the rules on video nasties to be tightened. During the police investigation, it emerged that Child Place 3 was one of the films that Benable's father had rented in the months prior to the killing, but it was never discovered or established whether or not Benables had ever watched it. One scene in the film shows the malevolent, malevolent doll Chucky being splashed with blue paint during a paintball game. The Merseyside detective said, we went through something like 200 titles rented by the Benables family, and there were some you or I wouldn't want to see, but nothing, no scene or plot or dialogue where you could put your finger on the freeze button and say, yep, that influenced a boy to go out and commit murder. Inspector Ray Simpson of Merseyside Police commented, if you're going to link this murder to a film, you might as well link it to the railway children. The Criminal Justice and Public Order Act of 1994 clarified that the rules on the availability of certain types of video material clarify the rules on the availability of certain types of video material to children. So it started getting more restricted. I think now you have no ID, even to buy a video game, obviously. I think the laws back then were a little more lax regarding, you know, mm-hmm. age rating and everything. Mm-hmm. Now I know, like, you literally have to have an ID to buy it. And if you don't, like, you can't even get someone else to buy it for you. And if they know, like, you could get in trouble kind of thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. After the trial, Thompson was held at the Barton Mouse Secure Care Center in Manchester. Enables was detained in Barty House, a small eight-bedded unit at Red Bank Secure in St. Helens on Merseyside. These locations were not publicly known until after the boys' release. Details of the boys' lives were recorded twice daily on running sheets and signed by the member of staff who had written them. The records were stored at the units and copied to officials in Whitehall. They were then taught to conceal their real names and their crime that which they had committed and why they were actually in their unions, units. Venable's parents regularly visited their son at Red Bank, just as Thompson's mother did, every three days at wow. Barton Moss. The boys received an education and rehabilitation. Despite initial problems, Venables was said to have eventually made good progress at Red Bank, resulting in him being kept there for the full eight years despite the facility only being a short-stay remand unit. Both boys were reported to suffer PTSD, and Renables in particular told of experiencing nightmares and flashbacks of the murder. So getting into their appeal and release, in 1999, lawyers for Thompson and Renables appealed to the European Court of Human Rights that the boys' trial was not impartial since they were too young to follow proceedings and to understand an adult court. The court dismissed their claim that the trial was inhumane and degrading treatment, but upheld their claim that they were denied a fair trial by the nature of the court proceedings. 
And the court also held that the Home Secretary's intervention had led to a highly charged atmosphere, which resulted in an unfair judgment. On March 15, 1999, the court in Strasbourg ruled by 14 votes to five that there had been a violation of Article 6 of the European Convention on the Human Rights regarding the fairness of the trial Thompson and Venables received, stating that, quote, the public trial process in an adult court must be regarded in the case of an 11-year-old child who has severely intimidate as a severely intimidating procedure. So basically, going through an adult proceeding as a child is very uh, hard to understand as a, as a child, as a kid. you know? Yeah. yeah. In September 1999, Bulger's parents appealed to the European Court of Human Rights, but failed to persuade the court that a victim of a crime has the right to be involved in determining the sentence of the perpetuator. The European court case led to the new Lord Chief Justice, Lord Wolfe, reviewing the minimum sentence. In October of 2000, he recommended the tariff be reduced from 10 down to 8 years, adding that Her Majesty's Young Offender Institution was a corrosive atmosphere for the juveniles. So I think, not even I think in England, it's more so, it's harder, you know how in America you get locked away for like 150 years mm-hmm. kind of thing? It's more like get like multiple life sentences consecutively. Yeah, there are limits to sentences in England, and their aim is always rehabilitation over life of being in a detention center. You know, mm-hmm. which is controversial, but it does make. I mean, I'm not saying that these people, you know, for Nables and Thompson right, deserve. Right. Yeah, but it does make sense that you don't want to have your youth constantly just being in jail their whole life. Like if they have the ability to be rehabilitated, they should have that ability right. given to them, you know? Mm-hmm. In June of 2001, after a six month review, the parole board ruled the boys were no longer a threat to the public safety and could be released. As their minimum tariff had expired in February of that year, Home Secretary David Blunkett approved the decision and they were released a few weeks later on a lifelong license after serving eight years. It was reported that both boys were given new identities and moved to secret locations under a witness protection style program. This was supported by the fabrication of passports, national insurance numbers, which essentially is their social security number in England, qualification certificates, and medical records. Blunkett added his own conditions to their license and insisted on being sent daily updates on on the boys' actions. The terms of the release included the following. They were not allowed to contact each other or the Bulker's family. They were prohibited from visiting the Merseyside region. Curfews may be imposed on them, and they must report to probation officers. If they breached the rules or were even deemed a risk to public, they would and could be and would be returned to back to prison. An injunction was imposed to the media after the trial, preventing the publications of details about Thompson and Venables. The worldwide injunction was kept in force following their release on parole, so their new identities and locations could not be public. In 2001, Blunkett said the injunction was granted because there was a real and strong possibility that their lives would be at risk if their identities had become known. And, well, what do you think about that? What do you think about them getting new identities and going in, you know, like a witness protection program? I don't know. In a way, like, I want to say that it's not fair because Mm -hmm. they're kind of being granted, like, I don't know, clemency is the right word, but the ability to just enter society as if nothing happened. Like I understand that they have yeah. these stipulations and like things that they have to meet, but they can 
basically build a whole life for themselves and yeah like I understand that they serve their time and that they're quote-unquote fit to be in society but it's almost like they just got a free pass in a way unfortunately I think like the max sentence you can do for prison for murder in England is like 10 12 years or something Oh, because their crazy. goal is rehabilitation yeah and you I mean know? I agree like I'm not saying I, that like rehabilitation shouldn't be the goal yeah I just think depending on it's, the severity of the crime like I guess also like you need to see was this a misguided child or is this a bad person and that's you fair. know I mean that, that 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 is a fair that's a fair statement yeah, yeah. so in the months after the trial and following the birth of their second son the marriage of Bulger's parents, Ralph and Denise, broke down and they divorced in 1995, which I understand. I mean, that's a very traumatic event to go through and it would be really hard to go, you know, through as a marriage. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. Because then you're just looking at this person and you're like, we used to have a child. The loss together. of a child is never, never. It's so, it's so impossible to even fathom for them. Mm-hmm. Denise married Stuart Fergus, with whom she had two sons, and Ralph also remarried and had three daughters with a second wife. The Observer revealed that both Venables and Thompson had passed their A-levels during their sentences, which is kind of like England's SATs. Mm. It decides basically where you're going to go to college. Mm. The paper also stated that Bulger's family's lawyers had consulted psychiatric experts in order to present the parole panel with a report, which suggested that Thompson is an undiagnosed psychopath, citing Mm. his lack of remorse during the trial at the time. In stark contrast to Venables, This led to a considerable amount of scrutiny from the parole panel. Upon release, both Thompson and Venables had lost all trace of their Scouse accent, which, so Liverpool is known as, they're known as Scousers. So it is in England, but Liverpool, Liverpoolians are very, well, Scousers are very proud of being Scouse. You know, they don't really, not, I don't want to speak for all of them, but a lot of them don't like to identify with England, Mm. but they're just a very strong, close-knit community in there. In a psychiatric report prepared in 2000 before Venable's release, also, before I say that, a Scouse accent is very distinguishable. Like, there's, if he, if they didn't lose it, it it would be very obvious where they were from, you know? Mm. In psychiatric report prepared in 2000 before Venable's release, he was described as posing a trivial risk to the public and unlikely to reoffend. The chances of his successful rehabilitation were described as very high. The Manchester Evening News published details that suggested the names of the secure institution and institutions in which the pair were housed in breach of the injunction against publicity that had been renewed early in 2001. In December that year, the paper was fined £30,000 for contempt of court in order to pay cost of 120000 quid. Sorry, quid is just basically the England versions of bucks. No significant publication or vigilante action against Thompson or Venables has ever occurred. Despite this, Bulger's mother, Denise, told how in 2004 she received a tip-off from an anonymous source that helped her locate Thompson. Upon seeing him, she was paralyzed with hatred and was unable to confront him. In April 2007, documents released under the Freedom of Information Act of 2000 it confirmed that the Home Office had spent 13,000 quid on an injunction to prevent a foreign magazine from revealing the new identities of Thompson and Venables. So now they're using tax money, essentially, 
to protect to these identity yeah. secret mm-hmm. yeah on march 14th of 2008 an appeal to set up a red balloon learner center in merseyside in memory of james Bulger, was launched by his mother and esther ransom a memorial garden in Bulger's memory was created in sacred heart primary school in his hometown of kirkby the school he would have been expected to attend had he not been murdered in march 2010 a call was made by england's children's commissioner maggie atkinson to raise the age of criminal responsibility from 10 to 12 she said that the killers of james bulger should have undergone programs to help turn their lives around rather than being prosecuted the ministry of justice rejected the call saying that children over the age of 10 knew the difference between bad behavior and serious wrongdoing in April 2010, a 19-year-old man from the Isle of Man was given a three-month suspended prison sentence for falsely claiming in a Facebook message that one of his former colleagues was Thompson. Hate speech is illegal in England, by the way. What? You don't have that freedom. Like, for example, when somebody yelled at Prince Andrew for being a Nazi or a pedophile, mm-hmm. he could get arrested for that what? because it's hate speech. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. In passing sentence, Deputy High Bailiff Alistair Montgomery said that the teenager had, quote, put that person at significant risk or harm and in a perilous, a perilous position by making the allegation because a lot of people want to kill these kids and they right. still do. Yeah. I mean, Scousers actually take a lot of the a lot of blame for this too. They're not really seen in a positive light in England, I'm gonna be honest. So this definitely just added fuel to the fire. In March 2012, a 26-year-old man from Lancashire was arrested after allegedly setting up a Facebook group with the title, quote, what happened to Jamie Bulger was fucking hilarious. The man's computer was seized for further investigation. Because, see, they take that crap. Not even crap. Like, they take that bullshit that he's doing very seriously in England. Holy cow, yeah. Yeah. And it's just awful to say about a two-year-old. Like, (laughs) on the 25th of February, 2013... The Attorney General's office announced that it was instituting a contempt of court proceedings against several people who had allegedly published photographs online showing Thompson or Venables as adults. Spokesman commented there are many different images circulating online claiming to be of either Venables or Thompson and potentially putting innocent individuals at risk. The order and its enforcement is therefore intended to protect not only Venables and Thompson, but also those members of public who have been incorrectly identified as being one of the two men. Mm-hmm. On the 26th of April of that year, so in 2013, two men received suspended jail sentences of nine months after admitting to, of, to contempt of court by publishing photographs that they claimed to be Venables and Thompson on Facebook and Twitter. These posts were seen by 24,000 people, and according to BBC legal correspondent Clive Coleman, the purpose of the prosecution was to ensure that the public was aware that internet users were also subject to the law of contempt. On 27th of November 2013, a man of Liverpool received a 14-month suspended prison sentence for posting on Twitter claiming to show the Naples. On three years later, July 14, 2016, a woman from Margate in Kent was jailed for three years after sending Twitter messages to Bulger's mother, in which she posed as one of his killers and Bulger's ghost. Oh, my God. The sentence was later reduced to two and a half years on 
appeal. So they really don't take that shit lightly in England. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's actually, I mean, if, God forbid, I would never want this to happen in England, but just theoretically, if Sandy Hook had taken place in England, that Alex Jones trial, he would have been arrested. Like, yeah. that's absolutely illegal in England. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you can't call a fact a conspiracy, you know? It, it's yeah. just you can't it's, say that that awful. didn't happen it happened yeah there's no there's no debating that no and the fact that people called them like there was so much harassment and due to the you know freedom of speech in america it's you're not really able to prosecute somebody you have to sue them for defamation essentially right, and then prove that like you were yeah. yeah so then those those victims parents now have to go on trial and relive it right. you know well at least, not at least, in, but in England, they're protected by law. By you're not allowed to say that shit to somebody like that. Yeah. Also, we have uh, like two minutes left. Do you want to take a break or? We let me wrap this part up and then we'll take a break. Okay. Right. So essentially, a lot of people get arrested for being cruel to James's parents or impersonating them, but the. In January 2020, a 53-year-old man from Amonford, South Wales, received a prison sentence of eight months for posting the, what's the word, their new identities on Facebook. So, yeah, Lord Justice Nigel Davis said the offense was close to the line for immediate prison sentence, but suspended the sentence after an early admission of guilt and remorse by the person. Mm-hmm. So... Also, you can get out of this if you do express some guilt to the courts and everything. Yeah. But if you do, or if you're pretty headstrong on it, you will be going to jail for being an asshole, essentially. Wow. You know? So there's not too much left, but we're going to take a little short break. And we'll be back. We'll be back. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to the Case Time Podcast. We are still talking about the murder of James Bolker, who was only two years old from Merseyside, England, which is, I mean, I sent you a photo of him during the break. He was such a cute little kid. Like, literally so sweet. Like, if you're listening, just Google, like, what this kid looked like, and I don't... I can't even grasp like how those kids did what they did to this poor person. I really agree. I also found out that people were also getting arrested for, you know, putting saying people were Venables and Thompson mm-hmm. because a man actually killed himself under a false allegation over a false allegation that he was one of that he was um, one of the, the offenders. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because this is a very heated case in England, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, so Thompson, following their release and parole, actually has been a law-abiding a citizen and is assumed to be completely rehabilitated. Wow. Um, he's living under a new identity in a same-sex couple with, and who's fully aware of his background wow. as well. Wow. However. Venables. Here is the later life of John Venables. 
Shortly before his 2001 release, when aged 17, Finables was alleged to have sex with a woman who worked at the Red Bank secure unit that he was held in. In April 2011, in the aftermath of his 2010 imprisonment, these allegations were outlined in the Sunday Times Magazine article written by David James Smith, who had been following the Bulger case since the 1993 trial. And again, later in a BBC documentary titled called John Venables, What Went Wrong? The female member, was, staff member, was suspended for sexual misconduct and she never returned to work at Red Bank. A spokesman for St. Helens Borough Council denied that the incident had been covered up, saying all allegations were thoroughly investigated by an independent team on the orders of the Home Office and chaired by Arthur de Frischling, who was a retired prison governor. Venables began living independently in March 2002, and sometime thereafter, he began a relationship with a woman who had a five-year-old child. It's not known whether... Uh, I wonder if I, well, I guess you'll find, here we go. It's not known at the time, but Venables had already begun downloading child abuse images at the time of dating the woman, although he denies ever meeting her child. In 2005, when Venables was 23, his probation officer met another girlfriend of his who was only 17 years old. After a number of young girlfriends, it was presumed that Venables was having delayed adolescence. After a period of apparently reduced supervision, Venables began drinking excessively, taking drugs, and downloading child abuse images, as well as visiting Merseyside, which he was absolutely not allowed to do when it was a breach of his license. Mm. In 2008, a new probation officer said that he spent, quote, a great deal of leisure time playing video games and on the internet. In September that year, Venables was suspect arrested on suspicion of a fray following a fight outside of a nightclub. He claimed that he was acting in self-defense and the charges were later dropped after he agreed to go on an alcohol awareness course. Three months later, he was found to be in possession of cocaine. He was subjected to curfew. On two occasions, Venables revealed his true identity to a friend. On March 2nd, 2010, the Ministry of Justice revealed that Venables had been returned to prison for an unspecified violation of the terms of his license of release, which is essentially probation. Mm -hmm. Justice Secretary Jack Straw stated that Venables had been returned to prison because of, quote, extremely serious allegations, end quote, and stated that he was, quote, unable to give further details of the reasons for John Venables' return to custody because it was not in the public's interest to do so. On March 7th, of that year, 2010, media reports started circulating the claim that he had been accused of offenses related to possession of child sexual abuse material. In a statement to the House of Commons on March 8, 2010, Straw reiterated that it was not, yeah, not in the interest to reveal why he'd been returned to custody. And the judge who made the decision to grant Venables an anonymity in 2001 warned that Venables could be killed if his identity was revealed. Olger's mother, Denise, said she was mad that the parole board did not tell her Venables had been returned to prison and called for his anonymity to be removed if he was charged with another crime. A spokesperson for the Ministry of Justice stated that there was a worldwide injunction against the publication of either the killer's location or new identity. Venables returned to prison due to false claim 
revived a false claim that a man from Fleetwood, Lancashire, was Venables. While the claim was reported and dismissed in September of 2005, it reappeared in March 2010 when it was circulated widely via SMS messages and Facebook. Chief Inspector Tracy O'Gar of Lancashire Constabulary stated an individual who was targeted four and a half years ago was not John Venables, and he has now left the area. On the 21st of June, 2010, Venables was charged with the possession and distribution of indecent images of children. It was alleged that he had downloaded 57 indecent images of children over a 12-month period to February 2010 and had allowed other people to access the files through a peer-to-peer network. Venables faced two charges under protection under the Protection of Children Act of 1978, and on July 23rd of that year, Venables appeared in court at the Old Bailey via a video link visible only to the judge hearing the case. He pleaded guilty to the charges of downloading and distributing sexual, child sexual abuse material and was sentenced to two years imprisonment. At the court her- hearing, it emerged that Venables had posed in online chat rooms as 35-year-old Don, or known as Donnie Smith, a married woman from Liverpool who boasted about abusing her eight-year-old daughter in the hopes of obtaining further child sexual abuse material. Benables had contacted his probation officer in February 2010, fearing that his new identity had been compromised at his place of work. And when the officer arrived at his flat, Benables was actually attempting to remove or destroy the hard drive on his computer with a knife and a tin opener. The officer's suspicions were raised and the computer was taken away for examination, leading to the discovery of child sexual abuse material, which, trigger warning, included children as young as two being raped by adults and penetrative rape of seven or eight-year-olds. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. The judge, Mr. Justice David Bean, ruled that Venable's new identity could not be revealed, but the media were allowed to report that he had been living in Cheshire at the time of his arrest. The High Court also heard that Venables had been arrested on suspicion of a fray back in 2008 following that drunken street fight with another man, and that he was also arrested, well, charged, not charged, but cautioned for the possession of cocaine. <clears throat> Sorry. In November 2010, a review of the National Probation Service handling of the case found that probation officers could not have prevented Venables from downloading child sexual abuse material, and they came to the conclusion that only 24-hour surveillance would have stopped Venables. Venables was eligible for parole in July 2011, and on June 27, 2011, the parole board decided that he would now remain in custody and that his parole would now not be considered again for another year. On May 4th, 2011, it was reported that Venables would once again be given a new identity following what was described as a serious security breach, where his identity, or his new assumed identity, was revealed, and the details of the breach could not be reported for legal reasons, but they said that what had happened was a man from Exeter had posted photographs on a website devoting to identifying pedophiles, They and since Vernables was a pedophile. He posted a photo of him and then revealed his true name, but I don't mm. think he had known that it was necessarily Vernables. You know, yeah. like he just knew that this guy was a pedophile. Right. In November 2011, it was reported that 
the navels would stay in prison for the foreseeable future and as he would be likely as he would be likely to reveal his true identity if released because remember he had already told two people who he actually was yeah on the 4th of july of 2013 it was reported that the parole board of england and wales had approved the release of enables and on september 23rd september 3rd of 2013 it was reported that he had been released so then he got he's been in jail since 2017 since 2017 though for the child abuse uh, for the child sexual abuse imagery and then in 2019 people were actually challenging i mean the father ralph and denise james bulger's parents were challenging the court to will take away that animidity from him Mm -hmm. because they didn't think it was fair that you know that they were getting protected by the state Mm -hmm. and judge andrew mcfarland turned down the request saying that the uniquely notorious nature of the case meant that there was a strong possibility and if not a probability that is if his identity were known he would be pursued and resulted and would result in his death essentially so they actually upheld the anonymity for him <laughs> then in june 2019 british officials had considered resettle- resettling venables in either canada australia or new zealand due to the high cost behind protecting his anonymity apparently they had spent about 65,000 pounds in legal fees to keep his identity a secret Wow. In response to media coverage, Prime Minister at the time, Jacinda Ardern, remarked that due to his criminal history, Renables would need an exemption under New Zealand's Immigration Act of 2009, and he shouldn't even bother applying. So as of right now, he's still in jail, to my current knowledge. Thompson has actually been, quote, I mean, for right now, success, successfully rehabilitated as a functioning member in society. Wow. And to this day... Nobody actually knows why they did it. And nobody really knows who was the lead perpetuator in it, who, you know, convinced who. Mm-hmm. But it's very clear that the Nables is very mentally sick. I mean, to murder a child and assault them and then get out of prison, you know, and then resort back to assaulting children or having that desire to. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he could have been the person who told thompson to do it i mean i don't know a lot of people not a lot of people but thompson said he was the one that actually suggested to abduct james but i think renoble was renoble was the one who wanted to push him on the track or whatever right but there's been a couple pop culture references to james abduction really and his parents were very um mad about that because they think that I mean the way that they portrayed it it was like very analogous to the situation mm-hmm. not necessarily James Volker being the center of attention but taking that case and like you know dramatizing it a bit yeah and one person actually tried to make comedy out of it oh my god and the mother was like my kid's death is not a comedy like no, that's really offensive a CS- CSI actually got in trouble because I think in the mid-2000s, they had a game where you could play an investigator and they put 
James CCTV last final moments as it, and they didn't really know that that was a big case in England because it wasn't as popularized in America. Mm. Uh, but after that, they took up, took it all off the shelves and put out a formal apology. But that's unfortunately there's really no resolution to the case because the biggest the thing that we want the most is James to be come back to life, right? So there's never right. going to be that satisfaction that you get from the case. But it does go to show that it is possible for people to get rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also goes to show that even if you give somebody a second chance, that who's to say that they might actually just be an inherently bad person? Yeah. You know? So that's the murder of James Bolton. Any... it's like that's a really sad story i mean also the report from the psychologist that said one of the boys was like an undiagnosed psychopath is that Vernables who was the psychopath e- yes okay okay yes but they oh, never yeah. it was sociopath and they never sociopath uh, okay they never we're able to corroborate that like they don't really know if that's necessarily true but I'm sure brutally murdering a two-year-old when you're 10 years old is very detrimental to a person's psyche so but I can't even I can't even imagine Thompson I mean it's interesting that he did get rehabilitated but like Mm -hmm. it's also interesting to know that he's in a relationship like and that the person is fully aware of it that's what i was just gonna say is that that person is fully aware of the kind of person that he was in his past and i don't I think don't i could know. ever trust anybody like that no i mean no i, I wouldn't not even i don't think i absolutely there's no, wouldn't there's no chance that i would be like yeah you're worthy of anyone's trust i mean and i don't know like it's just so weird to see that like rehabilitation so far has worked for this one guy for this other guy, it didn't work, and it's led to multiple relapses in the prison. But I just, I don't know. It just raises the question of like, should Bernables still get that anonymity because he's the one who keeps messing up? Like, should he I agree. be? Like, I understand the government being like, well, if we put out his identity, then like, you know, he's subject to potentially just being murdered. But like, if he already knows that, like. And he, they've already done so much to cover his identity. And mm-hmm. he knowingly keeps messing up. At that point, I feel like it's on him. I agree. Like, and I also don't know how long they can keep him in prison. Like, I don't think he is having a current lifetime sentence. Okay. I think he might actually be let out eventually, probably within the next 10, 15 years. Unless they send him elsewhere. But, like, he's... Who's going to want to take him? Nobody is, because he's just... He's a walking, like... They were the youngest murderers in England for 250 years. Like, they didn't even... People people didn't even... People didn't even think it was a 10-year-old. Like, at first, they were thinking it was 14-year-olds or a teenager... Well, they didn't know how to find who it did who did it for the for about 10 days and they were looking into local primary schools to see who wasn't attending class and certain parents were calling reporting their own kids that it might be them oh my god but obviously wow, that's scary yeah and that obviously was changed when that woman made that phone call saying i saw them with this you okay. know with that with james 
number one, I really hope that there were investigations sent into these children that parents were like, I think my kid could have done it. I would hope that the government's like, well, that's alarming and you're a potential right. danger to society, so we should get that checked out. Two, if you look up that image that you showed me of like the CCTV thing, yeah. they yeah, they don't look like 10-year-olds. I honestly they don't. thought they were either like adults or like- Or like, like 14 like to 17, right? Yeah, they don't look like 10-year-olds. Like, Because these are so small. The and the, poor little boy is. is so tiny. That And it also just shows you like- it's scary having kids like you you go to pay and this happens like that's terrifying why like when i see parents like when i was younger i used to think that like parents who had their kids on like a leash or like Mm. like linked to them with some form of like cough or something was so dramatic or dramatic and i was like or like people who you'd like oh why can't i go to a sleepover like oh other people parents uh, no, i like, get it now i totally understand if i had kids i if i was out in public with my child my child would for sure be like attached in some way i'd There's... put an air tag in her or something like people do that people do that yeah and i understand why they like so like in their, their shoe clothes yeah yeah like yeah. if they're being like if their kids are going away for like a camp or like mm-hmm. just anything they'll hide it in their clothes so that way they know it's on them it's just so scary like how could you ex- nobody would have expected this like clearly right like this hasn't happened in 250 no, years people are scary yeah and the fact that in a two minutes time this kid was he was just, gone he's gone it's kind of like, like um you know america's most wanted the, that his son was abducted yeah yep that's why it's yeah. almost pretty it's not now analogous but it's really similar to like he just got taken out of a mall and then murdered yeah it's scary and i wonder if um i wonder if when he was just give me one one of the nables was dating that woman with a child did she know like that's I feel like that's also why the anonymity anonymity thing is kind of messed up because imagine if you get into a relationship with your coworker and then you find out this is what they were like I understand that like there's a chance that you could be fully rehabilitated but that is not fair to that person especially if they have children like they're not even barred from being near other kids or being around no you know so I don't know I that would freak and even when you look up like here like sex offender registry Mm -hmm. like I looked up one near me recently and there's like 33 within four miles. Like you need to watch. This is no blame on the mother at all because like she was doing her due diligence, right? Like she was just paying, but you like nowadays you have to be so scared of stranger danger and like teach kids, like do not go to anybody. Like Mm. it's scary. You don't know them. Like don't. Yeah. I used to think people were just being dramatic, but now that I've gotten older and I get hindsight, it's like, no, I oh my it. God. Yeah. Like, I forget who was telling me about this, but they said that they were like babysitting their nieces and um, their like nieces or something were on this like phone app or whatever. And they were playing a game and um, my friend was like, yeah, they were just telling me that they were talking to their friends online. And they were like, they asked their nieces, they were like, what do you what friends and they're like oh yeah. i don't know they just like added me and you know we and, I, and and 
they told me that they were like absolutely not like do you know these people and then their nieces were like out oh, no especially with like it's so it's I mean if you know how to do it it's not hard to find an IP address it's not hard to mm-hmm. find somebody's address like mm-hmm. the fact that they're even in contact with them is terrifying oh. like and now that people are so much on social media it's even faster like you can find somebody that you may want on social media they're going to be posting like if kids aren't aware of their social well their internet presence they could be like in a sweatshirt that's giving away their school like well and it's going to be really easy to find them there's that movie what is it called isn't it called megan is missing or something yes and Ew. It, oh, that's like a i think no. that's a true it's not like a true story i honestly don't know but to be honest Ew. i I'm... never knew about that movie until i was on tiktok and i saw like so for those listening if you've never heard of megan is missing it's a movie that's supposed to teach kids the important like the dangers of your internet presence online and just stranger danger as well and just stranger danger and it's like these two girls who uh like I think one of them was like oh because they were having a party right and they're like oh I'm from your high school like you didn't see me at the party like blah 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 you right. know yeah she was like talking to this guy online and then she Medical. decides to meet with this guy and basically she gets kidnapped and her friend who's more of like an introvert who only started to like get on the internet because of her like takes it as a personal challenge to figure out what happened because she confronts the person and was like I know that you were there like at this party I know who you are or I know that yeah. you're basically behind this person's disappearance and she gets kidnapped too and the movie doesn't end well but it's it's just it's terrifying like you think but I, I don't know like sorry mom and dad but I think back on time like I'm just like thinking like there's so many stranger danger moments like it's not like I like would put myself you know like yeah. do something insane but w- when you reflect back on it you're like oh my god like I must have been like you it's I don't know like you have to be like guardian angel whatever like you are lucky that mm-hmm. you don't cross paths with the wrong person yeah and I especially mean- as a child like you're so easily picked up there was this one time where our neighbor, like, uh, she's basically my age, but she, like, ran to our house and, like, found, like, she basically almost ran into our house and was, like, begging for our dad to, like, help her because she really? was being, yeah, she was being chased by a car and she had ran into the woods and was, like, hiding out there, but the car kept circling around and oh eventually God. she had enough time to make it to our house and then she, like, begged our dad to, like, walk her home yeah I mean like and you and I grew up in a really rural area (laughs) like in my opinion it's not as rural as it could be no we like if we were just out playing whatever and what whatever your parent goes inside for like a second anybody could literally just come up and do it yeah I mean it was you know uncommon for me to be out with my our neighbor and our other neighbor like I would walk to their house we'd be walking like a mile away from home and we're talking about like back roads that are like the nearest driveway the nearest front door from the road is probably like a couple like like half a mile a quarter mile yeah like a thousand feet if not more like you're not getting help pretty quick depending on where you are but yeah it's actually so freaky to think about and also that other movie did you hear about that movie the sound of freedom yes but i am hesitant to talk about that i understand that but also like i've 
I mean, we're not getting into the politics of the of the director yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. Right. Like he has his own controversial past, Absolutely. but essentially, like surface level, it is a good movie talking about like parents being aware of the digital department of their children. I mean, so many. I wonder if it's 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 even worse now. I mean, obviously, James Bolger was like an anomaly. Like it was off, like awful people, awful timing. You know, mm-hmm. like, but now people are posting their kids on the internet they're posting their t-ball like the t-ball teams that they go to like with so much identifying information like the sports like oh you know their birthday already they're posting it on facebook there's challenges on tiktok where people will just be shown like a picture i can do that field oh you can no be shown like a picture of a field and can identify exactly where it is i it's so like people will post on I could one time I found somebody's social media from a video like there was mm-hmm. nothing that to even know who this person was but if you just know how to look and snoop oh, yeah. it's so easy to find out who this person is oh yeah I was once told like hey I might know this person like can you help me try to figure out who this was and it took me an hour and I pretty much narrowed it down and found their Facebook and found all their photos like it's not that hard and in the wrong hands or people who are just out to do bad things like that's terrible it's even yeah it's even and it's scary like parents are so ignorant or maybe they're just not wanting to like give up their posting but or like maybe the things just... that people post are like yeah i don't disagree i mean i think there's also might just be a i don't want to say a general lack of awareness but but like, also a disconnect yeah yeah that's for sure i mean like for us, like you and I grew up basically with technology, but like yeah. in the era before technology was a thing, like I wonder if those people understand like how I don't know. They and even but even millennials like still post stuff for their kids that they shouldn't. No. And you also have to be aware of what you're posting of your kid online. The reason why a lot of kid or family influencers are big is because of pedophilia. Well, that's why they disabled comments on YouTube for children's videos because they were getting mm-hmm. all of these really, really terrifying comments from like timestamps of compromising such of yes. positions and of children, and, also, and and parents profit off of that though, and they know. know that. Yeah, but also the Instagram accounts, like let's just talk about the LeBrant family. I mean, they have so many kids, and they have so many young kids. And basically every time a child is born, they make like a new Instagram account. And then all of the, I'm not kidding. And all of these fan accounts pop up, like their daughter, Everly, like there were so many Everly fan accounts. And then when their daughter Posey was born, even their son, like it's terrifying. It's hard to even people like idolize children like that. Like what is, no. It's hard to even think that the LeBrant family couple are good people because you have to be selectively ignorant to be on the internet and not realize that the content you're putting out for your kids is dangerous Mm -hmm. like and also you have no right to create their digital footprint that early on in their life no i mean that's why like the ethan klein just as i was just gonna say his eldest son he stopped posting pictures of his face like once he started to get like discernible features like just basically which basically I think is amazing yeah. yeah I agree I mean like my one of these like TikTok couples that I follow like Caleb Finn and his girlfriend Soup like the moment their baby was born they blurred all the photos they 
will like literally post pictures of their kid with like no face and that's totally good that's really good yeah like they didn't have a they didn't consent to having their digital footprint created like when they go older if they choose to that's a different story but like they can't consent when they're that young it's spooky because i mean back in the day you would take a photo and stay within your family now you can take a photo and like millions of people will see this child and Uh-oh. nine times out of ten, at least one percent of those people are insane. It's easy for you to post a photo and have the wrong people look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary. It's terrifying. James would have been thirty this year. Thirty? Thirty-five, thirty-two, thirty. Oh my god. He was two when he died. Wow. 93, so 91, 32. Yeah, I'd have been 32. Huh. That's not even that much older. <laughs> like, this wasn't like, kind of, like, he'd have been in our high school. I'd have probably have seen him at some, like, your high school. He'd have been in, in my there. high school. No, he would have been a little bit before my Maybe, time, um, but... but he'd still be in like at least six grades ahead of you. Yeah, like we in theory the, would have been in the school you'd system still at be the same time together. Quotation marks. Like when I was in elementary school, he would have been in like the school, same school and middle school into high school. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I got no more thoughts. Me either, and I hope wherever James is, he has it's it's amazing and nothing's mm-hmm. bad's happening to him and i really hope that whatever moments he had left it wasn't it was i hope it was quick for him you know because yeah, that's if awful you believe in a and, higher being whatever judgment those two face one day wherever wherever you think you yeah well they're going straight to well yeah H-E-W-A-C-6. And also, just just a side note: if you ever, ever, ever see a kid in distress, please just go say something. Say something and be adamant about it. Because I don't care if you make a scene about it; it's better to do that than have a kid. It's better to know, misread the situation were, than be wrong about mm-hmm. it. There were thirty-eight people who saw him in distress, and, and they all backed out. So, yeah. yeah. Don't be the bystander effect. No. Mm-mm. All right. Well, that will wrap up our ninth episode, and we'll be back next week for episode number 10. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, we will talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.